morning and welcome to HR Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? Good morning, John. I am doing well. I am home in North Carolina. It's a bit cold still, but we are heading into spring, so I've got some daffodils starting to sprout in my backyard, so can't help but smile when you see daffodils. And how about you? Are you home this week? Yeah, in the floods. I think Noah just went by on his boat. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy here. It's been raining for three or four days now, and uh, the Russian River is over its banks, and the town of Guerneville is flooded. And when I look, I have to I have to be in San Francisco this afternoon. And when I look at the road that I have to take to get to San Francisco, it looks like it's six feet deep in water. Oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it is rainy. It's a good day to have an umbrella. I was going to say, it's a great day to break out the rain gear, right? Now, you all, you know, sometimes you kind of wish you could wear your rain, rain gear. It brings you back to childhood, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you almost here, you almost always wish that about August because it never rains after, say, the 15th of April. But in February, the February is the traditional month for the um, 100-year floods, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we have those 100-year floods every 10 years or so. <laughs> and, and, and so we're in one of those periods now. Gotcha. Well, well, well we, will, we will hope that you don't wash away on your trip down to San Francisco, but are you going anyplace interesting today? Are you going to be speaking anywhere this week? Uh, nope, this this is just just this is just more demos and research. I'm I am already starting to gear up for the twenty twenty report because the market's exploding and really interesting things are happening. But nothing exciting. I was in the city two days ago and, and went to visit Ultimate Software's new offices in the city. I gotta tell you, they have the they have the coolest thing. So so you walk down the hall this is up on like the I don't know way high floor of this office building, and you walk you walk down the hall, and there are these bookcases, and the bookcases are like built into the wall. They're maybe seven feet tall by five feet wide, and there are five or six of them. And the second bookcase pulled down this this set of books in the bookcase, and there's a button, and the door opens, and there's a secret room. It's so cool. <laughs> You've not given away their it, secret. It, they've got a secret no, room. It, they've got a secret room right in the middle of the workplace, and 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 they use it for recruiting. It's it's a it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. It's got these real nice chairs. It has the feel of a um, of a London club, an old oh, old London yeah. club. It, it's just just the loveliest thing. And they did it in spite of the fact that that it took an act of Congress. Well, that's acts of Congress are another thing, aren't they? Yeah. But it, it, it took <laughs> an act of Congress to get to get it through zoning and inspection in the city. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was that was my fun, and of course they're doing amazing things with artificial intelligence, and that was the point of the trip. And they, they were great hosts. Wow. Got a chance to visit them, their their sort of Sherlock Holmesy room, it sounds like, and that that uh with the with the hidden bookcases. Now they're gonna owe everyone a trip some point to go see the hidden bookcase room. So. <laughs> well that it's sounds cool. Like a lot more fun. It, it it is so yeah, what a what a great thing. It's it's nice to have 
a very sophisticated, very high-end, very professional workplace that's got fun that I appreciate. I, I'm not yeah. really a ping pong and granola bar guy. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> this is this is the next level up of that. Yeah, but something that surprises you. We, the, I know um, I went into some offices and. It was a little thing, but they had built the cubes with whiteboards, basically. You know, so, so the back wall, so the connecting boards and all of them were whiteboards. And I'm just thinking, man, now that's something I could use. I'd have fun with a whiteboard that went halfway across the room that I could just keep writing on, you know? <laughs> so, oh, you know, I heard, I heard the best story. I was telling somebody about this secret room. And the rumor, I haven't seen this, but this is me trying to get an invitation. Uh, rumor is that um, LinkedIn has a speakeasy, and that oh. and that to get into the speakeasy, you walk down this hall, and there's this bank of phone booths, and you walk in the right phone booth and punch the right number into the phone, <laughs> and the door opens and you're in the speakeasy. Oh, um, it's so 1920s, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this this is this is also how much money is floating around San Francisco these days. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have to wear your zoot suit and your flapper outfit when you go there as well? Yeah, no. <laughs> and and have your gold watch in your pants. It, there's a lot of money. I would have to. There are probably some people who are getting hired in the Midwest and in the East Coast listening to us, going, "What the hell is going on in that place?" Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, but. Well, and there is a lot of money flowing. This week is definitely uh, a week with a lot of money. Um, we got um, lots of interesting things in the in the mailbag this week that have to do with what's happening in this space from a investment to, I think, it's big topical areas. But probably the biggest one um, and the biggest announcement I think everybody's been talking about this week is uh, K1, an investment management firm, um, invests over $200 million in job vites. But particularly part of that investment was to also acquire three major, what we would call sort of pretty big names in the talent uh, recruiting space, telemetry, uh, recruitment marketing company, RollPoint, a referral and internal mobility company, and Canvas, the only text-based conversational recruiting company. I'm not exactly sure if that's completely true. You might be able to give us a sense of that, but um, was rolled up into that. So, so that's some big money, but also big names that they're rolling into a single platform to build maybe something that's a, that is some real competition in the market. We also have this week information about Indeed. Indeed made its uh, expected numbers. They had a, a growth of, of about 30%, it looks like, in their total numbers. And they uh, named a new CEO, not someone new to us, Chris Hyams, who has been in the product development area for quite some time, was VP of product, responsible for Indeed's product and operations for a long time. But he just took over as new CEO for Indeed, which was um, recently acquired by Recruit Holdings, and their revenue rose, they said about the growth due to this quarter was 48%, but it rose 6% year over year from last year. So the point is that they're doing very well since they were acquired on the job board side. We also have another acquisition, EdQuest, EdQuest, Ed, sorry, I'm going to say their name correct, EdCast acquired Lepus. These are probably two of the second biggest sort of learning technology organizations behind Degreed in the space as far as brand and uh, market size. Uh, they do a little bit different, a little more focused on corporate, but that acquisition, I think, is going to lend itself to some, some really interesting 
dialogues and what's happening in the market. Um, and so we can talk a little bit more about that today. And then if we have time, Gartner made a big prediction. They put a press release out. I'm not exactly sure about this. You and I can have a conversation about it. They predict by 2021, CIOs will be as responsible for culture change as chief HR officers are today. And the question is, why? And then, you know, there's some data in there about that and what other things they're predicting along with it. Um, and then we have some interesting conversation this week about how not to cross the creepy line with employee data and uh, LinkedIn previewing their shared in-mails and instant job notifications um, and their beta testing and Accenture using virtual reality for inclusive hiring practices. So a big week, lots of interesting topics. Where would you like to start, John? Oh, let's, let, let's see what Gartner's saying about CIOs becoming C chief HR officers. <laughs> what? I don't know if it's exactly that. They're saying they're going to be as important to culture change as chief HR officers or as responsible to better language. <laughs> really? Yeah. The, the idea really? here is that because culture change is going, so much of people's behaviors in the work environment is based off of how they interact with technology and their approach to technologies and whether or not they're, you know, accepting of it or not accepting of it. The CIO has to be as involved in this idea of continuous change management and culture change as the chief HR officer. This this one sort of just, I'm like, everyone in the company should be involved in culture change, shouldn't they? Why is this a, a new thing or why does this require a, a press release on this one, right? <laughs> well, this is, you know, this is such gobbledygook. Culture change is really hard and most of culture change fails. And and most of culture change fails because as a species and as as a profession, we don't really understand what culture is. Um, and and I get to say that the people who sell culture change and the people who lead culture change transformation projects they don't get to say that because if they said, well we kind of don't know what we're doing here, um, uh, <laughs> they probably wouldn't get funding for their project. Yeah. But the vast, vast majority of those things fail, or or if they succeed, they succeed in that particularly corporate way of of when the money's gone, you declare success and you move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. But but there are no there are no um, huge, repeatable case studies of cultures that have transformed. None. None. There, there's great marketing material from big consulting shops that make claims, but if you go and you talk to the people inside of the organization, you know it's another set of posters for another year, sort of. Um, um, so, so the idea that CIOs in the next two years are going to, in a generic way, come to be as responsible for culture change as HR officers. I think they legalized pot wherever the headquarters of Gartner are. <laughs> well, now you have to admit, Gartner does support your statement, and they're saying about 50% in their research of, of the cases, transformational initiatives are clear failures. That's not counting the ones that aren't clear failures that, that we know about, right? But they're clear failures. Um, and the barrier they're saying to those transformational initiatives, particularly digital initiatives, is cultural issues. And so I think they're saying basically, if you can't get your company to go digital, it might be a culture issue. So, but, 
I can see a little bit of where they're coming from, but but I, I think a lot of this is just um, this once again to me is just an, an environment where we're sort of saying, well, now they should be responsible. They should have been responsible all along. Any culture change you're going to try and undertake, and and I'm not sure I completely agree that all culture changes fail, but I think a good portion of them um, take much longer than most organizations realize to get real culture change. Um, it's not something that happens overnight, and it's definitely not something that happens just because someone puts some posters up. It, it requires real transparency in an organization. Um, and in some cases, you know, completely changing what the organization, you know, financial models and, um, you know, how people get paid and, and how people get uh, rewarded in the organization to even begin to change this culture. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal. But um, it's a painful process to go through, right? Yeah, well, so so if we knew as a culture how to do culture change, if we understood what culture was, um, you, we'll have a great conversation about this after you get back from Singapore and China. Um, but um, 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 if we understood that, then mergers and acquisitions would go well. And they don't. They don't. And that's the segue to the the um, roll-up that came. One did. K1 is a, a private equity company, um, and they bought telemetry, Rollpoint, and Canvas and rolled them up. I think they already held Jobvite. Um, yeah. And so they bought these things and they rolled them up into what? Um, the combination enables hiring teams to source, engage, hire, onboard, and retain top talent with an end-to-end -end platform. So they're saying, as we've heard before, this is the only unified candidate experience platform. That's what they're claiming at this point. <laughs> yeah, what is that? True? What do you suppose that, what do you suppose that Of course it's not true. Um, <laughs> um, so, so you have an ATS, you have a, a whole ecosystem-based um, recruitment marketing platform. You've got a um, a company that started out as a referral project, as did Jobvite, um, and you have an interview by text system. Yeah. Right. So, so this would be right. So it doesn't have interview of people with things like video interviewing or assessment or or that sort of stuff. It's got a whole bunch of stuff that it doesn't have. And it looks like they've taken these pretty sizable companies and combined so that they compete with Smashfly and and Beamery and yeah. um, I, I'm not sure that that makes sense. This is this is a big, big, big investment in a space. Now, now maybe what they're saying, and, and it isn't here. Maybe what they're saying is there's no um, observable applicant tracking system that is tightly integrated with a recruitment marketing system. And that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, um, although I think telemetry is pretty tightly coupled with um, Taleo. So, so th there'll be well, all I'm these sure was a, was a Taleo sort of, not spin-off per se, but they definitely built their business on the Taleo product, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. this will be very interesting because there's a lot of Oracle and Taleo customers who are on the telemetry product and how this will play out, right? Yeah, you, you know, I, I I I like the idea that there's investment in roll-ups. This is a 
this is a private equity play, and we've talked about private equity plays, or they have a they have a <clears throat> a set of numbers and hurdles that you have to hit, um, and so this team has three or four years to get this right. And my guess is that the technical integration um, um, is a huge hurdle that they have to start off with. But it'll be great to watch. This will be a lot of news spread around the industry, and um, um, every one of the companies represented here is full of smart people who understand the market. They really are. I mean, you know, I've, I've met you know a lot of these, and these individual companies have probably some of the brightest people working in the, I'd say, analytics space, right? Maybe not AI per se, but definitely in the analytics space for recruiting. Um, what what I, I've been wondering is, you know, how does this compare to something like an iSIMS? And that's, I know iSIMS is sort of building out some of their marketing capabilities as well. They're probably the next biggest sort of point solution in the market, right, um, along with Jobvite. That's a, you know, I don't know that area quite well enough, but I think that's the other conversation that we're going to have a lot of is, will we start to see more of these little acquisitions to have um, what a lot of people are calling these talent or um, talent acquisition platforms, right? And I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you- that's what this is. So. It, it isn't a talent acquisition yeah. platform. This is a this is strictly inside of the um, 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 recruiting box, yeah. um, and and talent acquisition includes a bunch of other stuff. And this is an imp- this is this is just marketing and an ATS. It's not a comprehensive talent acquisition thing at all. Um, but it's interesting, and and it might prompt the acquisition of Smashfly, um, uh, which and, and certainly Beamery is Beamery is the head and shoulders leader in that space, and you and you might imagine that this is a a response to Beamery's functionality and success. Uh, so, um, you shall see on this one, but it's great news. Um, I, I I saw this. I saw Rollpoint at its very beginning. I saw Jobvite at its very beginning. Uh, Jade Burrell at Telemetry has done just an incredible job building a business um, inside of the Oracle ecosystem. Um, and I am I'm less aware of Canvas, um, but the idea that you could do um, text-based interviewing is interesting. I'm sure that that, that makes it a a um, um, outbound chatbot, fundamentally. To some extent, yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, the other recruiting news was the news about Indeed naming a new CEO. Now, I don't. I mean, Indeed was bought. Is it been over a year now? Has it been almost two now since they were bought? Oh yeah, by no, it's, it's more. It's, it's more than that. I think it's Has like it? five years, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just flying. We're having fun, John. <laughs> so I remember talking about it. <laughs> But yeah, they they bought them. Um, revenues seem to be up; things are going well. Uh, and they swapped out the CEO. And that seemed to be a pretty big news um, this week. Is that something that you? Because they put in place the VP of product, which is is an interesting direction, right? We don't oftentimes see the VP of product development go into that president role. Um, do you think this is this is just confidence in in the product direction where it's going? Is that what we're seeing? Um, that would surprise me. That would, that would really surprise me. This move of um, of taking the CEO and elevating them out of the, promoting them out of the way um, 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 indicates some displeasure 
right? I, I don't I don't understand exactly what, but but um, that's it's the kind of move that a Japanese parent company would make very very carefully. Because because saving face is so important in the culture, and so so I I, I will check around. I I don't exactly know how to read it, and I'm not sure that that anybody will really understand how to read it. It's hyper unusual for an operations person to step right into the CEO's job. Yeah, yeah, that that's that that was the thing that caught me more than anything. I think you know, we've seen CEOs replaced. That happens generally a lot in this market. But but to see the the VP of product be put in this position, I thought, well, that's either good or, or not. I don't know. But it, it it it's nice to see someone who's in charge of product sort of get that level because um, that they're the ones who generally know the product very well. But the question is, do they know the business as well? And that that'll be interesting to see. So we'll keep our eye on. Indeed, um, you know, shifting out of recruiting, we also have this EdCast acquiring Leapus. Now, EdCast, um, they're known as the operating system for knowledge economy. That's their language. But basically, they're sort of a mix of a... Um, Hold on, the operating demand. system for the knowledge economy? Are that's what they basically said. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> if you want to, right? But, but they're, they're basically a, a, a content exchange, like we've seen with a lot of other content exchange models. Um, and uh, they're, they've purchased Leapist, which my understanding is that Leapist is sort of a, a blended learning creation content um, house. Um, and so they, I know Leapist has been known in their micro-learning capabilities, so that's probably part of the reason why they looked at purchasing them. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see that I, I think, you know, the learning space is shifting. There hasn't been quite as much this year as we saw in the last two years uh, going on with the, the learning space yet, right, or, or the last six months or so. We haven't seen that much in it. But, you know, I think we probably will um, in the next couple of months because it's a space right now, I think, where people aren't quite sure what's the next move. Are we gonna Are we going to build out some sort of you know, LinkedIn-like learning thing across the, the market? Are we going to create these content exchanges in everybody's LMSs now? Is every LMS supposed to have that kind of capability? Uh, is the LMS going to go away and die? Those are all the things I know the market's kind of talking about right now. Um, so there's not a lot of innovation going on here, but there's definitely a lot of moving movement going on right now in this space. So, so, so help me understand this. You're... you're... You're quite an expert in this in this area, um, um, and and so the rhetoric is this stuff helps us deal with skills agility as uh, reskilling starts to take center stage in the learning and development process. But but what this sounds like is an expansion of their content catalog, right? And sort of by definition. Skills that you need to change into the next thing are not evolved enough to have content. So, so it seems to me that they're talking out of both sides of their mouth here. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I, I think that the, the difference here might be, and I would agree, this is this is a content expansion with with what's going on with Leapist. But there is also Leapist has the ability to actually build blended programs, which is a mixture of sort of online course catalog, micro learning, all the different formats of delivery. And I think that might be the other thing that um, EdCast was looking for here. When you're looking at learning and development, the, the big issue is, to your point, you know, there are some things that you can teach on, some things that have been sort of categorized, identified, 
you know, uh, figured out enough that you could create content for them, right? And then most of the time, the things that are most critical are stuff that we're learning on the job. And that, as much as we don't, you know, as much as everybody's, you know, commentary was that classroom training is dead or we don't need to have people te- teaching on the job in that kind of way, that's actually probably getting a bit of a backlash right now. We are starting to hear that it's the classroom training where you can have those ad hoc conversations, those um, in-person, real-time, I, I did this yesterday when I was on the job type of conversations about training and that one-to-one personal on-the-job training with micro-learning moments, right? But the problem is that has never been able to be tracked very well. So it's, it's, it's been a, a big issue. Um, what we're seeing at least, and, and I, I don't know LEAP as well enough, I'd have to find out from them, but, I'm, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the case, is that we're seeing the use of what is generally known in the market as XAPI, which is a technology that is allowing people to capture different categories of learning elements, basically um, things like, um, you know, that I took a course and here's how long it was, here are the three subsets of information that I learned in it. We're now able to pull that into a learning um, repository that can then track it, where previously you could only track how long the course was and that it, you know, taught two skills that you put into it ahead of time. So it's it's a it's a little bit of a difference. Um, I, this may be where that's coming from with the instructor-based content, the ability to do those type of things, right, and the blended learning model. But it's still, I wouldn't say it's, it's groundbreaking. It's, it's I think it's just sort of building out a bigger version of something that we're already doing in the market, right? Okay, thank you. Um, so so we have three and a half minutes left. Can we? How not to be creepy while using employee data for workforce management? We, that, we would be the, that would be the fastest that anybody ever covered that topic. It's sort of like a, an Olympic record we could set here. I know. I, I think I think how you don't get creepy. It sounds like is basically you're you're hyper uh, uh, hyper transparent is what it comes down to. This is a it's a case study and it's. A case study written by someone who's probably in the company, and the company that you're that they're sort of talking about, Fatalia. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Is an artificial intelligence company. So they're a company that does artificial intelligence. They're talking about how they used artificial intelligence to basically create um, compensation strategies in their organization. They're one of these organizations that is transparent about their compensation, but they they're using machine learning and artificial intelligence and layers on top to basically allow people to in this process make it um recommendations about how much they want to get raises so so every person can put in here's how much I want to get a raise for and here's the things I did I think to um to I think deserve to get that and then they have everybody in the company vote on that now the votes are all weighted differently based off of how the artificial intelligence sees the value to that relationship of the person, right? So, like, your manager has a heavier weight than the administrative assistant who says hello to you in the hallway, right? Um, So the weighting is very different, but everybody gets to vote, and that decides who gets what raises in the organization. They said by doing this, they were also able to quickly see that women in general asked for lower raises than men did, so they were able to close their pay gap immediately when they did this. And they also said they were able to see real trends coming out about which managers sort of graded harder than others and their expectations for raises. Um, and we're able to have some conversations about 
what was appropriate or not. So I don't, I don't know. This was an interesting story, but do you think that sounds creepy? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what creepiness has to do with that. Yeah. Right. That that that's 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 a an artificial intelligence tool that rigidly reinforces the status quo unless it's tweaked to solve specific problems like the gender pay gap. Uh, but but if the network votes on your utility based on the weighting that AI assigns to the network, then um, I'm not sure why you people involved. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think... The, the, there's there's more in it. I would definitely take some time to read it. Maybe we can have a conversation about it next week a little bit more in depth. But, you know, the other thing that they're doing is that they are capturing all kinds of information that goes beyond this from their employees. And, and supposedly their employees are very okay with it because they've been very open and transparent about what they're doing with the information. This was one of the examples that they used of how they were using that type of information because the 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 artificial intelligence wasn't making decisions about the importance based off of an organizational structure per se that you put in. They were making the importance based off of the information they were gathering in the company about who talked to who, who worked with who, who did this with that person, who did that with that person. I think yeah, that yeah, might no, have been maybe the secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah, well but but that's that's what the what the real or art is, right? That's that's what we're starting to get to see across the board yeah. these tools is is what the real org chart is. The yeah. the boxes and lines are where the people with ties go. Um but but the organization gets stuff done in spite of that. And yeah. so <clears throat> that's a um a very dynamic thing. It doesn't it doesn't stabilize yeah. in the way that the um um uh, regular org chart does and so when you introduce something that monitors that and then you install reward structures based on monitoring of that um, it seems to me that what you do is you make the internal network more rigid part of part of the reason the internal network works so well is that it is separate from formal organizations and this is one of the one of the um, initiatives that compresses those two things and tries to make them into one and it's not clear that that's a good idea. Well, and I, and I think that's, you know, that was when when I read this I was like this is worthy of a conversation. I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do, but on the other hand the tra- and you know, they very much mentioned that this is a as an experiment to see how it works, to see what they find and what they don't find. And I guess as long as your employees are comfortable with the experimentation, that's one thing, right? But the other conversation is, what are you doing with all of that information it's gathering, and are you comfortable with all the things that you're doing? Transparency is a, is a big part of this, right? And that's one of the big things we're going to have to, I think, tackle as a industry. Most companies are not transparent, so they're gathering all that data without the transparency, and that becomes an even bigger issue in this market, right? So, yeah, and this is this be a great conversation for next week because because when you say that companies need to disclose what they're doing, I hear, oh boy, more terms and conditions that you don't read and click on. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And so, and so transparency has to mean something more than a literal retelling of all of the data that you're collecting. Yeah. Right, because, because nobody can make sense out of that except the data scientists who use it. Yeah, very good point. Well, I think it's a, a great conversation to open up on next week. We'll have to we'll have to bring this com- this uh, 
this one back, and I'm sure there will be other things we'll be able to talk about next week with like Accenture doing their hiring through augmented reality. I, I thought that was quite interesting. Maybe even what LinkedIn is doing next week will take a little time to talk about. So uh, lots of good stuff okay, to cover. Cool. It's been a busy week. Yeah, thanks, Stacey. This was a great conversation. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John. We'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks, everyone.